0: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Gentlemen. Hello. Uh,
1: Sorry, Spain calling. Spain calling. Hello. Hello, Tim. How are you? Uh,
2: Spain 2J3. (laughs) Spain to J Bree? yes very well thanks it's hot
0: very nice Uh, so it's all over boys that's it domestic rugby's over Uh, if you're referring to Pro 12 and the Aviva you're correct there's still another four or five weeks of top 14 action to go as well as obviously the super rugby (laughs) Mm. meat grinder yeah meat grinder absolutely Uh, and Tim you did the
1: premiership final yesterday and then you flew immediately over to Spain
2: yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't working on the telly, but I was working on the BT Sports stage, uh, out, just outside in the West Car Park, where it was amazing, beautiful hot weather, the thousands of fans, and uh, loads of entertainment, plenty of which I can tell you about on the pod. Believe me, it's fun.
1: Superb, right, boys? Let's get into it. Hands in, pod on three, one,
0: two, three. Pod. Oh,
2: God.
1: Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I am, of course, JB, sat next to Phil. Hi, JB. And from a remote location in most secret Spain, it's Tim. Hello, JB. Oh.
2: Hello,
1: Phil. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. We've got Pro 12, we've got a Viva, and also I am going to solve the riddle of all fly halves. <laughs> i'm looking forward to this
2: wow. gb
0: oh yeah i've got it all queued up tim you're gonna love it
2: oh amazing
0: well where do you want to start jay um
2: well i'll tell you what before you start anywhere can i just uh, remind people we're on we're on a casper on itunes and we love the reviews that are being left on itunes i've got i've got a couple of great ones
1: oh please fire away
2: uh edmondo Says, and the title of his review is Read Me loud, Read Me Now, Believe Me Later. <laughs> what
1: a great guy. What a great guy.
2: He's, uh, Edmondo says enthusiastic and insightful chaps who add colour and cheer to the weekend's rugby. Insights as heavyweight as Thomas Francis.
1: Well, that's and me covered. Comments... What's he got to say about, uh, say about you two? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and comments as cutting as an Andy Goode comeback.
1: Oh, wowzer.
2: I know it's good and 098 says essential for any rugby fan the blend of Tim's tap for regional British accents in brackets Jonathan Spratt makes me laugh every time <laughs> oh, what <laughs> uh, Phil's Borg like stats efficiency and JB's eccentricity in brackets e.g. the game of Springbok or Nazi war criminal <laughs> <laughs> he says it's reminiscent of a Reed Smith Carter 8 nine ten axis. Oh, axis that's beautiful
1: that's, that's outstanding thank you very much outstanding leave your
2: rev- leave your reviews on iTunes find us at rugby podcast on Twitter where we've been very very busy the last few days
0: very busy indeed Tim yeah thanks thanks to Mr. Eddie Jones
2: yeah all I did was post a, a, a little com- um a little picture of Eddie Jones's post-match comments uh, after the England-Wales game and Hugo Monnier Will Carling Jonathan Davies and about five five hundred other people all um all took to twitter to to retweet it so nice that's amazing that's
1: over 10 percent of the people that follow us actually retweeted us
2: incredible stuff
1: incredible stuff so i i suppose we should start off with the premiership final because you were actually there tim
2: i was well well well, firstly i want to hear just briefly then Bryn williams he's been on the podcast before he's going to be married soon and it was his stag do over the weekend no it wasn't he
1: was married over the weekend
2: Oh, of course it was his wedding, it was his stag do recently, so how was, what are the, any stories from the wedding? Did you impale yourself on any trees this time No, around? I <laughs> did not impale myself
1: on any trees this time around, but my friend
0: Steve almost got impaled by a stiletto, and that was hilarious. That was interesting. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of fights, um, same as any standard wedding, no, nothing major, a couple of fights, few arguments, uh, but overall the day was absolutely brilliant. Um well looked after well watered well fed and genuinely some of the best speeches i've heard at a wedding yeah i was starting to well up hey uh, hay fever hay yeah fever. it must have been hay fever, definitely high pollen count
1: <laughs> uh.
2: yeah premiership final um no one's surprised at the result um nope. and it just continues the trend for saracens dominating and rounds off pretty unbelievable season for them um I, I was. I really was glad that Exeter had that comeback in the second half because I was. Dev- I was really would have been a bit of a downer had it been total one-way traffic.
0: Yeah, Tim. From your perspective, out, outside the ground, and outside the ground is probably one of the best ways to get perspective on this. Which were the best set of fans, the Saracens set, or the the Exeter, or was it kind of even?
2: Um, I'd say in terms of th- the biggest set of fans were Exeter comfortably. Yeah. Despite the fact they apparently didn't sell out their allocation, is that right? Um, apparently so, because uh, Tony Rowe, the Exeter chairman, took the decision not to sell any tickets online. What? Uh, and bearing in mind that only a, I know, bearing in mind there's only a week turnaround, that was probably a bit of an own goal. But uh, apparently it was because they were doing marketing tactics where uh, players were handing out cups of tea and cake to people queuing up at the ground, but. That was quite a difficult way, but there's plenty of Exeter fans ma- managed to make their way there in spite of that. And they were in full voice and in massive number as well. Um, so they were all really good natured, well humoured. Um, just a credit, just rugby fans are brilliant. Yeah. And I, rugby players are amazing as well. So I, ran talk into, it, um, after-game stuff.
1: I ran into uh, a bunch of Exeter fans at Bath Exeter about three years ago now, and they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. They're...
2: Well, in terms of singing, they've all got. Both sets of fans have got really good songs. Like you know, you mentioned uh, Bath there. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I wish they'd. I, I love Bath and I love going to the record, but I wish they'd have a little bit more than Bath, Bath. No. Bath.
1: No. Why would you <laughs> want any more than that?
2: <laughs> Saracens fans have got. Yeah, no, don't like that.
1: Don't like that. Don't like. It's too footbally. Too footbally. I like that. I, I like. I, like, uh, I always like the, the Tom Hawk Chop. Now, has anyone managed to um, work out the actual? Um, relationship between Native American Indians and Cornwall yet?
0: <laughs> it's Devon. It's Devon. Devon. Is it Devon, Devon. sorry? Devon. Devon. Yeah, there's much, much stronger <laughs> links. No? No one? <laughs> uh,
2: no, no. Not at all. All the Middle East and... Um, Middle Sa- East... Saracens. And, and North London.
1: <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually, because they yeah. were on the other side, the, the Saracens. They should be called Crusaders. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. I think. So the game, the the game itself, uh, I actually thought as good as the Saracens were, I thought I thought Exeter were terrible. To be fair, first first. Oh half. my word! Uh, I I've never seen uh, Slade have such
0: a bad game. Yeah, Slade will not be happy with that performance at all. He he, his only kind of real positive contribution was the the break and the offload for the Jack Noel try. But besides that, he had two or three knock-ons, two or three missed tackles, one of which led to the to the Chris yep. Wiles try. Uh, kicking was, into dropped, touch. Yeah, dropped high balls, kicking straight into touch and just generally looked out of sorts. It's amazing, isn't it? Because he, he's one of these players
1: that is, uh, well, when you watch him, he always rises to the next challenge. So he put him in the team, he looked great. Put him in the England team, looks great. Put him in a big game, looks great. It's almost like he's just reached a point where the, the occasion was actually too big for him.
0: I, I just I think it was a one-off. I hope so. I, yeah, I, I've never seen him play that badly before, and hopefully we won't again. Um,
2: but I think first half Exeter got it completely wrong. Like they just kicked the ball to Alex Goode and didn't chase the kick like yeah. Saracens' kick chase.
0: That's that's a very good point, Tim. Because it almost felt, particularly for the first twenty minutes, like both teams were trying to play the same tactic. They were both trying to. Kick and chase, but the Saracens, particularly the Saracens' chase, was so much more accomplished. The number of oh. times that Wigglesworth put put a bomb, a box kick up, and either Ashton or Wiles took man and ball. Oh, it's perfect timing. It, it was absolutely perfect timing. And it, it was it was almost better because they they possibly could have put an extra yard of pace on it and competed for the ball, but they would have risked either a knock-on or taking the man in the air. They just slowed themselves down slightly, and as soon as the extra defender took the ball, they just absolutely smashed him. It was yeah. it was masterful. Yeah, I think Ashton did it like two or three two or three times. Yeah.
2: Will Chudley uh, looks great when he's sniping around the side and adding tempo and getting the ball in Steenson's hand. He looks terrible when he's slowing it down, doing box kicks, Wigglesworth-esque. He, he just... Sh- that, I don't know what they were playing at with their game plan, but it backfired. So,
1: but Wigglesworth is the best at that. I mean, he really is. His kicking is yeah. so precise. Yeah,
0: it really is. Mm.
2: But Chudley had a great second half, and when they upped the tempo, got the driving more going, I mean, it, it was a different team. So I think R- Rob Baxter, as he always is, was uh, you know very measured and full of praise and not getting too caught up in the emotions of it all. But I think... He'll, he'll look back at that game tape in a few weeks time and realise what a missed opportunity it was
1: yeah yeah absolutely because the second half when they really came back into it I mean the, I think the way you beat Saracens is continual quick phases um, and then play, well uh, play, playing the ball in the, ma- the sort of manner that you see with Wasps and the, the breakdown takes about 2-3 seconds they did start to do that but the, on the other hand when they were moving it wide, I just felt like the Sarsens' line speed is so quick that you've kind of got like a little channel of about twenty yards to do something, and then after that, uh, well, you're absolutely done. Yeah.
2: Just one thing, guys. Um, did you, I thought second half I couldn't have loved any any other player on the pitch more than Gareth Steenson. The body language, the the way he led that team, just it was amazing to watch him. The way he was, did you see him geeing up the crowd?
0: Yeah, yeah. When they had the. Uh... They got a line-out, they got a penalty, and they kicked for the corner for a driving yeah. mall. It was after they'd already scored one, and they were going for another.
2: Yeah. It was brilliant. They it a few times like that. It was just really getting the crowd going, and um, I-, I loved it. I love the guy.
1: The guy's class. And if you look at some of the other fly-half performances from the weekend, you can see exactly why it's important to have a very cool operator there, such as Gareth Steenson.
0: Yes, definitely. Or equally Owen Farrell. Oh, absolutely. Because Owen Farrell was superb. Can we finally call him the best fly-half in Europe now? Uh, probably. It would be very interesting, yeah. actually, if there was a Lions Test team picked tomorrow. I think for a lot of the seasons, it probably would have still been Sexton, but I think Farrell now is... Farrell for me. Yeah. I mean, his all-round game, his defence has always been superb. He's now got that intelligence to and decision-making to know when to pass, when to kick, when to have a little go himself. That... That little grubber cross-kick under pressure for the uh, Duncan Taylor try mm-hmm. was absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell
1: you the other thing as well. In that Saracen system, he knows exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's going to do
0: next. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Just makes amazing decisions.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, on on talk, Talking about players playing well as well, um, I thought Jack Noel was exceptional in in a losing yes. side. well said. He did... He put in such a big shift, did so much work. He was covering everywhere and uh, defensively covering everywhere. Offensively, he was making yards all over the park. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> <laughs> Standard. Uh. Um, and his finish for the try was brilliant because he got man and ball and powered through Goode, who was man of the match and probably deserved man of the match, uh, and then Billy to crash over, which is no mean feat. Yeah, I, I thought he was exceptional. I, it was a little bit worrying that he's probably their main ball carrier, though. It was. I think they lost They lost Armand um, in the second half, and obviously they were missing Waldrum, who normally does a tremendous amount of work. But he did k- kind of make up the difference, but not completely.
2: Do you know what I want to do?
0: Yes, please.
2: Moment, I, I, I want to talk about because I think when you've when you've had the season that Saracens have, have done, the first double, European domestic double that an English team has done since Wasps. since since two thousand and four. Mm. And bearing in mind how much the game has changed and how we, how everyone talks about it being more attritional, more difficult to to do that, and they pe- they've peaked at that final. I, I just think we need to just sort of show a bit of doff our cap to the whole Saracens organisation. There's a couple of things I just want to mention. Uh, and that is just that, I was just looking around on some of the Saracens players' Twitter accounts earlier, and George Cruz's Twitter account, I mean, the, the tweets and st- themselves and stuff were fun, but I think it said everything. The picture that he's got is his background on Twitter, and I'd urge everyone to go and have look at it, George Cruz on Twitter, it's just all of the Saracens boys in fancy dress, all of them, I was looking around all the faces, there wasn't really anyone missing, all of them on a big old bender, and there's been pictures tweeted around the rugby world and stuff of all the Saracens boys in a bar on sun yesterday on Sunday, absolutely hammered. Um, and I just think, and they go jumping out of planes and stuff as we talk about. Um, Jacques Berger, I I spent some time with him on uh, back backstage. Did um, you touch
1: him? Did with you touch
2: AT him? Sport. Oh my god, he, he did. I did. Mate, I was on stage with him. I was uh, wow. interviewing him. It was amazing. Did um, did, did he ask and, about um, me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, always, Jack. always, always, JB. Anyway, Jacques Berger, he walked on the bus. First thing he said was, Where's the beers, boys? And uh, <laughs> and then he was talking about it. And after Leon, bearing in mind they had a big game against Leicester in the semi final, after Leon, he said everyone, all of them, went on a big two day bender.
0: Two days? Wow.
2: Two days. Two
1: days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good God.
2: Ugh. And then I'll add to that, I'll just briefly add to it. Will Fraser and Jamie George came in their full kit onto the stage outside Twickenham in the middle of the West Car Park yeah. after the game to come and like say thanks to the fans and stuff. They, they were out there, um, still in their kit, wearing socks, sweaty from the game. They were out there on the stage, and Will Fraser had a bottle of beer and just did a massive chug of it, like holding it, outstretched arm above his head. Good lad. And, so, <laughs> dropping it into his gob. He, he downed the whole thing. Jamie it... George grabbed the microphone and led the crowd in a in a rendition of Build Me Up Buttercup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is it interesting. Was... <laughs> like yeah you know, we talk I I'm not gonna I'm only gonna do half an hour, twenty minutes now on culture. But um like <laughs> isn't this how it should be this is exactly it shouldn't be all about um you know, it's going home to someone else, you know, to someone else's mum, and being a really nice guy and writing stories on your
0: shirts, this is it. This is exactly how a team should be built. I think there's place for both well, sides. Well, I think there's a
2: no, balance
0: there's... because... Go on, Phil, sorry. No, I, I think we were both going to make the same point. There, there's got to be both sides. What I, I do think the Lancaster regime appeared to have got wrong, because uh, that's where you're going with this, Jay. Eventually. Is he was trying to use culture as the foundation for building the team, whereas Saracens have got the defensive pattern, the way of playing, the tactics, the hand, like all of the skill level as the basis. And then on top of that, they've built it up through this brilliant, like team bonding and team culture. Yeah. It's, so it's the it's, last part, isn't it? it? Yeah. It's not letting the culture drive the performance. It's the performance driving the culture. If that makes sense. It does.
2: I'll add, and I'll add, to, I'll add to that from Philip, mate. Um, Jamie George said that, and he, he was saying this on the stage, I, I was interviewing him, he was saying this to all the fans, he said that one of the things they did on Thursday as a team is they sat down and they all wrote down a little note of why this game is important to them and who they're doing it for. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. I know, I know you hate it, but I'm just saying there's a balance and there's a place for stuff like this. And Jamie George said it was really powerful reading all the notes from his teammates.
1: Oh, no. I don't like this. I don't,
0: of- don't like this at that- all.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, well, get it back onto another thing. Did you see, like, Will Fraser came on stage and chugged a beer, but did you see what he did at the full-time whistle?
0: Yes. Did he chug two beers? No, he, he ran over to his brother, Henry, who was in the crowd, at the front of the crowd, and gave him a big hug. Oh, right, nice. Yeah. Henry,
2: who's um, uh, paralysed from the neck down and... Um... It's just it was just a beautiful moment. I really liked it. I just I just the more I get to know Saracens and the people at Saracens, whether they're coaches, players, whatever, the more I just think it's a special, special um, place.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed with that. They've really been building something very, very nice you now for, for a few seasons.
0: Yeah, and one thing to note as well, um, part way through the season, so they went unbeaten until mid-January when they lost to Harlequins, and then after that they lost uh, Paul Gustard instrumental for the defence coach they lost I think it was 9 or 10 players for 7 weeks uh, in between February and April because of the Six Nations and a lot of teams that would have really affected I mean Harlequins were going great guns before they lost a load of players to the Internationals Then after that they looked all at 6s and 7s but Saracen settled and got back into their rhythm and then like you mentioned before Jay they built towards those two finals and the semi-finals it's really really impressive I mean
1: you could make an argument that they are the best non-international team in the world and I think they probably are D- despite what anyone who watches Super Rugby might say, I think
0: that this Saracens' team, the real deal. Oh, I'd love to see them against, say, the Chiefs or, oh. or the Crusaders, where they're th- flinging the ball about and just hitting a brick wall, phase after phase after phase, and then Saracens turn it over and go 40 yards and score. Yeah, I, I'd absolutely love to see that. I'd love to
1: see if... Um, well, actually, we have kind of seen a New Zealand-style team in Leicester uh, play them, and it wasn't particularly good, but they're not the best exponent of that type of game. No,
0: not not by a long shot.
2: I um I was having a little natter with my brother but cuz he he's out on uh, holiday with us here in Spain. I tried to get him a podcast but he's uh he's, not
0: not, he's, not having
1: any of it though.
2: He's not, not he, he says oh, I've got a he's got he's got to bath the baby and get ready anyway. He's not here but but I had a chat with him and I, and he was saying that um uh Saracens cuz I, I know that you sometimes give him a bit of stick JB and I've been Do um, I? I have been full of praise. Have I ever for...
1: given Saracens stick?
2: Yes, in this sense. Go on. In the in the um, I've been saying recently and you look at that starting 15 five of the starting 15 that won the premiership final were academy graduates mm-hmm. three of them were signed from the championship so that's more than half your team that are either out your academy or not even play or playing lower than the premiership and so I think they punch above their weight in that sense and you sort of you quite often bring up the salary cap
1: no I stuff. think you bring up the salary cap uh,
2: but alright I would say
1: oh. um, look look Look, there clearly was a case to answer at the start of the season or start of last season regarding their salary cap situation. Um, and I think in domestic competition, it's far more serious than it is in the European competition, because European competition is pretty much an open playing field. Um, okay. But you know, I'm not going to criticise them for for that this weekend because what they did isn't about the salary cap. I mean, I think they could have spent underneath the salary cap and still come up with exactly the same result simply for the fact that they're a damn good team. And you know, it it isn't about buying stars. They create their own stars.
2: Yeah. Okay. So what I was going to say was I was chatting to my brother and he, and he sort of, you know, knows the kind of inner workings of it. He said that their aim is to have 30 to 40% of their whole squad academy graduates. That's what they're working towards. Mm -hmm um and that uh he said that their their academy is amazing because in all the years it, it's all about development and skill development in the final year of of the academy it is only about winning
1: yes so, as it should be and
2: that's and that's different from most academies where there's this kind of results and skill development kind of they they go don't give a shit about final year of academies they go don't give a shit about oh sorry i just swore don't give a damn <laughs> i've had a few gin and tonics, boys uh don't give a damn about um the skill stuff it's all about winning and that's why i think you're seeing these guys coming ready made for professional rugby straight out of the academy
1: well i'll tell you a quick a quick interesting story not about rugby but i was talking to one of the um not even youth team coaches below that like the minis coaches for Manchester United and there they don't even let them wear the United kit uh, until they get to uh, to a certain age so all their minis aren't allowed to wear any kit with the United badge so they all have to wear uh, international kits so when you go on to their training, training centre they've got all the international kits that are made by Adidas so Germany will play such as Argentina. Yes, exactly right. And to make make it even worse, well, not worse, but to add a little bit more context to it, when they need to something like a goalkeeper, they needed a goalkeeper a few weeks ago for like the under-12s, they bought in 50 goalkeepers. Wow. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe Saracens should look at that sort of model. (laughs) Wowzers. Mm. Hmm.
2: And all all, that, yeah, yeah, so I I just, uh, the more I sort of learn about them salary caps and stuff in the past whatever but i think culturally um coaching wise and in terms of where they're going they've, they're so switched on and they're doing an amazing job for english rugby i think
1: yeah and i actually think that they are the main beneficiaries of of, of the salary cap not because they ignored it and everyone else played by the rules but more the point that when you know as i always say when you maximize your cap on player salaries well where else can you go and i've spent the money wisely on things like you know the accountants at kpmg who analyze the games for them um systems they've got a new pitch they've got all you know they've done all the right things in terms of infrastructure too and i think most clubs are going to get good on that route now tim you there oh no we've lost tim Uh oh hello tim
2: jb yes
1: ah, okay brilliant tim you're sounding nice and sharp which makes me think it's time to mention one of our one of our sponsors what do you think mate
2: what a segue jb incredible oh stop
1: it mate stop
0: it
2: <laughs> i think some people are quite often particularly online and on social media are quite afraid to put pictures of uh, their shaft up oh 100 percent It's often frowned upon or shied away from, but we encourage people to send pictures of their shaft. Right, JB?
0: 100%. 100%. Did you see the picture we've been sent from a friend of the pod this week who showed us his shaft? Hashtag
2: show us your shaft. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, the person who, who inscribed egg
1: onto his, onto his cornerstone <laughs> razor.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. EGG is their engraving. <laughs> <laughs> who, Beautiful. Uh, friend of the pod who shall thus far remain nameless. But that got me thinking maybe we could have like kind of rugby themed uh, acronyms on there. So someone could do SBW for. uh Stanley Bill Williams, of course. Or JPR. Uh, JPR, yeah. JPR Williams or RFU or WR something like that. I'm sure there's lots of...
2: LT or LTBP.
0: LGBT? <laughs> let the boys play. <laughs> <laughs> LTBP,
2: let the boys play. Yeah,
1: I, I've always wanted to say that, but it does sound a little bit too close to LGBT. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, when, I'm, when, I, when I say something... Uh, profound, and then I go LGBT at the end of it. <laughs> it doesn't. Gonna, it's not going to have that, that pop, is it?
0: <laughs> so uh,
1: yeah. Uh, is, show, do you fancy telling people what Cornerstone actually do?
2: Yes. So um, <laughs> we. This this is all a great example. You can get hold of your precision-engineered, award-winning, better than Wilkinson Sword angelette. Fact at the GQ Awards recently cornerstone razor you can get your engraved shaft have the best shave of your life and with egg Chasers because we've sorted out a deal for you you can get 10 pounds off your very first order with cornerstone which means it's going to be pennies to give it a try and see why so many people are going over to cornerstone razors uh you just go to cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg chasers, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash egg and um, get your 10 pound discount there or by using egg 10 at checkout uh you get your 10 pound discount which means you can give it a go and then when you get hold of that amazing shaft in your hand that you've had engraved uh send us a picture of your shaft hashtag show us your shaft and we'll <laughs> retweet um our favorite shafts um on our twitter account
1: perfect such a pro tim such a pro anyway the pro World well final um <laughs> where, where where do you want to go with this
0: one
2: Firstly, I think it's amazing that, bearing in mind we're coming to the end of a weekend of rugby, we're only getting into the Pro 12 final now. We've still got England-Wales to talk about and stuff, it's brilliant.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to talk about England-Wales. Just remember this, I I said uh, at the start of the week, last week, it was a pointless game. I meant it was a pointless game until, well, until what happened happened. And now it's a very
0: relevant game. Yes, I I would agree with that. Uh, First, before we do get into that, Leinster-Connacht. No, yeah. I got this wrong. I thought that, and I said last week, I expected Leinster to win based on their kind of experience in this situation. They've got a lot of lot of players with huge experience, mm. multiple players who've won multiple uh, Heineken Cups, in fact, and multiple Six Nations. But they were summarily outplayed for eighty minutes. It's incredible, actually. It was, and it's. It's probably the highest compliment you can pay Connacht to say there was a little bit of Saracens about them. Well, yeah, and one I, of the tries was identical. Yeah, absolutely yeah, identical. The, I thought the, the grubber kicked through. Yeah, people are going to be
1: raving about Pat Lam's um, expansive Kiwi play, and then they're going to be talking about
0: boring, boring Saracens, and it's the <laughs> same try. But the, the reason yeah. I the reason I say it was a little bit Saracens about it was because. They gave Leinster more territory, more possession. Mm. They made more than 50 more tackles than Leinster, and Leinster got virtually nowhere. Leinster only made two line breaks, despite beating at the door 195 times. Well, actually, Leinster had made one more tackle, I
1: think, by the time that they... Who was it they held up? They held up that, the hooker. Yes. So at that point, um, the, the tackle count was exact, almost identical. Right, and so it came. Back. Yeah, so it came in late, probably as uh, Leinster realised that they were in a bit of hot water. Um, this game went exactly as I expected. I expected Lancer Le- uh, to win. Um, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, I expected Lancer to win. So this didn't go exactly as you expected. No, it went exactly as I expected because <laughs> I expected Lancer to win. I picked Connacht to win because every <laughs> game this year I've expected someone else to win other, other other than Connacht, and the only time they haven't won is when we expected them to win against Zebra. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way that I picked it. And thankfully, I, w- I, um, I was right. But God knows how... I mean, I, I know how they win it. They played really good rugby. But when you watch them, do you know when they do the little forward in- interplay things? Yeah. If you were a coach now, or if you're watching kids being coached, how many people would say, go forward, put your head down, don't mess around with it? Because that's kind of what you do. And
0: they've sort of tore it all up and done something completely different. But in order to do that, you've got to have a slightly higher, a significantly higher than average uh, handling skill set in the forwards, which is obviously something that that Pat Lam has worked on, and it's paying dividends because not many teams can do that kind of neat little interplay. And I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you are,
1: for instance, if you're a pack, right, and you and you come in to coach this pack, you can't
0: make them grow, you can't make them faster. You probably can make them a bit stronger, but you can probably upskill them. Yeah. That's that's a very good point, actually. It's probably the easiest thing to make big gains in. Yeah. Because I bet, playing on the west side of Ireland, in mostly driving rain and horrendous windy conditions, I imagine that pack was always pretty nuggety and tough, But like and years gone by, but had pretty low base-level skills. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, that's very interesting. What do you think, Tim?
2: I think... Uh- yeah, they, I, I enjoyed a couple of things in particular. I enjoyed the absolute smash by Bundyaki on Sexton. Yes. A beautiful moment. I, I I, really enjoyed Ultan Dilan just, like, treating Dave Carney like a rag bull. <laughs>
0: um,
2: just smashing through him. And I really, really enjoyed John Muldoon's passionate uh, post-match chat to the point where he could barely get a word out he was he he'd given that much emotionally and physically. It was... Uh, just
1: an amazing story and a fairy tale finish. Loved it, loved it. But, uh, the player of the day for me had to be Matt Healy. My God, that that guy's a superstar.
0: Yeah, but not good enough for Joe Schmidt. Um, be- I mean, because Joe Schmidt has picked uh, Dave Kearney. Uh, unbelievable, ahead of unbelievable. Him. Yeah, and that is quite unbelievable, actually. That Gilroy and Matt Healy uh, and McCluskey. Well, Gilroy and Matt Healy, the top top. Tri scorers in the pro twelve, uh the two of them, neither of them are in the team. McCloskey's another one, um, who I'm I, I mean it's another thing I got wrong. I said last week that I expected him to be in the squad and starting no less because of the the physical threat from South Africa, the South African centres, and he doesn't even make the make the plane. No, it's a
1: very, very strange times now, and they seem to have all the right players, but they're just not picking them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, and the Nigerian winger, who I can't pronounce his name, so try it for me. Adi Aloki. Adi Aloki. He had a tremendous game. Lokun. Adi Alokun. Is he qualified to play for, for anyone? Is he uh, English Ni- originally?
0: Nigerian? Don't know. Uh, he might be qualified to play for Nigeria. Tim, can you shed uh, any any light on this? None. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Great he is, try. He uh, is, uh, that's
2: what I would say about that.
0: He is Nigerian-born... Uh, according to this, he's been living in Ireland for the past seven years. Oh, so he's qualified. So presumably, uh, parents continued residence, he would be qualified. He would be qualified to play for Ireland. Oh, I thought he had a very, very good game. Yeah, that that. Well shit. done. On it. Uh, one one question from that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man of the match was AJ McGinty. Okay. Have you seen enough to say whether he will be a success? at Sale yes I, I think I have seen, seen enough and um, would you say he would be a success no I don't think he will be <laughs> <laughs> what about you Tim uh,
2: I'm on the fence I think actually everyone thinks oh Cipriani they're, they're losing Cipriani and they're not replacing him with a, an eccentric ball playing guy but actually Cipriani kicked more than any fly half in the premiership and first and foremost what he did was get that big sale pack in the right parts of the pitch and then added a little bit of stardust every now and again, as well as having some absolutely shocking kicking performances every now and again as well. <laughs> so I think he could do all right. I don't think Cipriani for sale is the the all action ball playing rogue type um, player that everyone kind of assumes he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not trying to be disparaging, or uh, you know, a podcast where we should be nothing but praiseful of the Connacht team. But I do think it's the team rather than the individuals that made the performance, yeah. and that's what kind of worries me about AJ McGinty coming over to Sale because he's replacing an individual. Hmm.
2: But you could argue that that actually means Sale Sharks is the right fit because that's exactly what how Sale have done mm. what they've done. Maybe,
1: maybe. Uh, maybe. Oh, well, let's let's hope I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I actually um,
0: think he could be a good fit, judging by uh, for, for exactly this, the reasons that Tim has set out. Um, I think he, there is a little bit of stardust, but not incredible. But Cipriani hasn't been playing that kind of exciting way since before he went to Australia. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow.
1: Really, I don't think no. So and it's also interesting to think where are Connacht going to go next season they're losing um, Henshaw they're losing, they're losing McGinty uh, who's the guy in the packets pack off the, Rodney R.U.'s going to RU's Ulster got,
0: but Finlay Beathams has been starting at tight head and playing very very well uh, Oh, who's the guy who's absolutely stacked for them uh, he up, he's absolutely enormous O'Brien Sean O'Brien Sean O'Brien the younger I'm I'm not sure if it's Sean O'Brien but oh. he
1: is I've got a feeling he might be a front rower but he is enor- suspiciously <laughs> enormous
0: <laughs> test him him and him <laughs> you guys you're free you can leave <laughs> AJ you're okay you don't, need, <laughs> you don't need a sample from you AJ uh, yeah, well, we'll, but-
2: see, we'll see what happens in the off season but um, a, a brilliant way to, to round off the season indeed I'll tell you what I've got I've got a who am I now oh yes to- please so JB against Phil. I'm going to give some clues from a Wikipedia page of one rugby player. Uh, if you have a guess and get it wrong, you're out till the other person has a guess. Okay. Okay. I was. Who am I? I'm a rugby union player. I was born in Halifax, Yorkshire. Oh. I went. To, I went to Bradford School. Okay. And the University of Durham. Brian Moore. It's not Brian ah. Moore. Oh Phil. Luther Burrell there, mate. Right. <laughs> JB, over to you. Luther, Luther Burrell. Had two, well, J- I've had two Jay's had his guess. Jay's
0: had his guess. How about my guess? Oh, what was it? Luther Burrell. It's
2: not Luther Burrell, right? Yes. Right back in, then. yes! I've had two professional clubs. I've played for England thirty eight times. Ooh. I toured but didn't get I toured with the British and Irish Lions but did not get a cap for them. I have the record for the most consecutive starts for England at fly half.
0: Come on, Phil. Come on, Phil. You've got to guess, because I can't guess until you guess. (laughs) I'm going to say Rob Andrew. Rob Andrew.
2: Not Rob Andrew. Oh.
0: Uh...
2: I'm also, another one of my accolades, the top all-time point scorer in the Premiership.
1: Charlie Hodgson? Yes. Yeah! What? He's born in the Halifax? Yeah, he's a Yorkshire boy. Is he really? Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Didn't know that.
2: And right, the, the record for the most consecutive starts for England at fly half Charlie Hodgson.
0: I would never have guessed. I guess that was when, that was probably between about 2004 and 2007 when Johnny Wilkinson was a body wreck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, I tell you what about Johnny Hodgson. He went on that Lions tour, the tour of hell down. Oh, sorry, down to New Zealand, and I think he was comfortably the best fly half uh, for the midweek teams. He didn't even get get a look in. Hmm.
2: Well, um, it would be interesting to know where he would fit in if he would fit in if he, if he was uh, in the England squad now because they've got some they've got some riches in a lot of positions. And I mean, JB, I want to know what's your initial reaction to. Being absolutely pumped by England
1: as Wales were. Oh, well, my initial reaction is, I told you so. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's your reaction to everything, <laughs> regardless of whether you told <laughs> us so or not. Well, okay. So um, here's how the game started. It started really, really well. Uh, I thought that Wales had done their homework and they'd adjusted their style of play to play like the last ten minutes of the Six Nations game, and they were ve- and they were very quick getting off the line, like suspiciously quick. Uh, and that seems to have worked, and then they got the try through Nicky Smith, and uh, you know, everything felt right in the world. Um, where we lost it with the collisions. There were no collisions, and I don't know if it's because the Welsh were rusty, or they were tired, or, as I suspect is more the case, the England broken field runners are just far, far too good. Uh, Watson, um, not, uh, not, not what's his name,
0: what, uh, Watson, Yard, yeah, Joseph, yes. Mike Brown, Jack Clifford. Thank you yeah uh, just you Any couldn't get and luth yeah you just couldn't get near them
1: uh, luther burrell ran very hard straightened things up uh, impressive
0: performance i don't know if it's an impressive performance or the welsh were just terrible i think for, from my perspective it was a very impressive performance besides the halfbacks which probably makes it an even more, more impressive performance yeah, because the halfbacks for most of the game were pretty poor i thought Ben Ben Youngs looked a, a bit, his try excluded. He looked l- lackadaisical, disinterested a lot of the time. Some of his passes were either looped up or yeah. down at people's toes. Uh, yeah, it was, it
1: was quite an incredible, quite an incredible performance when you consider how bad George
0: Ford was. For I thought he came back into it in the last twenty twenty five minutes or what what of that period he played, but yeah, for forty fifty minutes he didn't look great.
2: I was devastated. It could have been a really, really ugly-looking uh, scoreboard for, for Wales. Yeah.
0: Well, I hope everyone realises now why
1: we don't try and play rugby and why gutland ball is king. Because it's just it was just so awful to watch. We couldn't keep the ball in contact. We tried to pass it out, uh, you know, go through two hands, change point of contact, do all the things that, pl- that teams that play rugby do, and we can't do it. So we're best being physical, kicking, uh, kicking the percentages, chasing, doing all the jobs that require no skill, and then only if we need to play. Don't go out with the idea of playing, boys. It's but just not going to win.
0: On, just on that point, one of the big problems for Wales was their set piece. Oh, um, yeah? And, and no matter how you're going to play, if you can't win your own ball from the set piece, it, it's a, your game plan is irrelevant. Mm. Um, there was a good tweet that said, um, I can't remember who The um, second-choice hooker, Dacey, was arguing with the referee about whose line-out it should have been, and someone tweeted, said, it doesn't matter if you're arguing, you're just kind of uh, arguing over who's going to throw it to Joe Launchbury." (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, the England 2nd row was very, very impressive. Uh,
2: Particularly, one moment, you talked about the collisions Wales didn't win them. Definitely one collision you would have backed is anything involving Jamie Roberts, but the... The way he got handed off by Courtney Laws was embarrassing for Jamie Roberts.
1: Was that the one round the side for. Was it like the yard the try trial or something, was it?
2: The yard try, yeah, it looked like the big kid at school. You know, when you're like 13 years of age and there's one kid who's like just started like all the way through puberty and then you've got another kid who hasn't started yet. <laughs> it looked, that's how Courtney Laws made Jamie Roberts look like that.
1: Mate, I tell you what, the All Blacks must, must be terrified now. absolutely terrified it was abysmal it really was abysmal
2: so what do you make then of Warren Gatlin because when he was said you know you must be it was Graham Simmons after the game said uh, I wasn't expecting that you you must what what are you shocked angry disappointed and Warren Gatlin said oh no reasonably happy with that performance
1: Uh, well here's what I think might have caused this performance uh, and let's just put aside England were excellent. Okay, so I'm, I'm not taking any, anything away from England. I'm just kind of hoping this might have been the case. That because it is a friendly, and everyone's talking about it friendly, and anyone wants to play the right type of rugby, that maybe they did go out and change their game plan to what has traditionally been very effective for us. Uh, and if that's the case, it's easily fixable. We can go back to what we do so well. If it wasn't, it's going to... Oh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Um, but it does highlight something which I tweeted tweeted up from my own account, which is
0: how bad must Stuart Lancaster have been at his job to manage to get his full strength England team to lose to Wales? Yep. When now the second team, the second England team, or second strength England team can beat what is virtually a, a full strength yeah. and the, Wales team. and win a Grand Slam on your you know, on your fir- on
1: your first try on your first
0: try? Yeah. Um, it- Tim, any, any highlights of players? Anyone you thought stood out from the England-Wales game? All lowlights, mate.
2: Well, I think we should get into this uh, what's become quite a contentious decision. Um, and that's for the Jack Clifford try. So, What an unbelievable turn of gas Jack Clifford's got. Scott Williams didn't get close to him. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, uh, bad. it's bad. I don't know if that's more impressive for Clifford's gas or more worrying that Wales's outside centre couldn't catch him.
2: I think more impressive for Clifford's gas. He he he, uh, he was just looked rapid, but um, yeah. So, firstly, for me that was. I mean, there's been some um, a lot of conjecture about whether that was a try or not. Um, I think. I, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to hearing what JB says about Dan Bigger's reaction to it.
1: Right. Okay. Well uh was it a try I'm going to say if that was wales I would have said it was a try now cuz it's england I'm going to say no it probably it might not have been it might have gone forward before hitting the welsh player to go back but you know it's such a marginal call I think
0: you've got to go with go with the attacking team the the, the tmo's words were it's not a clear and obvious knock on which i would actually agree with it. Yeah. it was very difficult to say whether the ball went down from Dan Cole or marginally forward and then hit the Wales player and then went went backwards. Um and on that I would always give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team, so I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah exactly right. When I watched it on the replay I was like I couldn't overturn this. Yeah. Nothing clear Warren, and obvious.
2: Warren Warren and talking about it in his in his post match chat said that um he said it shouldn't have been a try because Irrelevant of whether it went forwards or backwards, the ball was slapped down. Now,
1: nope, no, not, is, not a law.
2: Warren Gatland is an international coach, and I was surprised to hear him say that. He needs to brush up on some basic laws, because law 12 says, basically, it's only relevant um, that the knockdown or deliberate knock-on or deliberate slap-down slapdown is only relevant if the ball goes forward. Yeah. Uh, because as put, there's loads of examples in games all the time. From a restart, people will try and slap the ball backwards. So, yeah, Warren yeah. Galland, uh in the off season after this talk, get yourself a law book and sit down and have a little look through again. Because uh, clearly you kind of there's some little gaps in your knowledge. Now there's gaps in my knowledge in the laws, but I'm not an international rugby coach.
0: That is true. Not yet, Tim. Yeah, not yet. <laughs>
2: And also, I think that the referee did absolutely everything right. As you said, he referred the issue to the TMO. The TMO said there's nothing clear and obvious. Personally, I think it went backwards, but
1: I it, think in, that... in real time I'd have called that forward. Me too, in real time. But I think uh, referring it was the right thing to do um, because he referred it; it wasn't clear and obvious. And so, this, the you know the try stands, and that and that will be that.
2: Um, well, that will be that. Is exactly the reaction I would have encouraged my players to have on the field. Warren <sighs> Gatland said. Uh, Warren Gat well Ed- so I'll give you the two coaches and what they said about Dan Bigger and his petulance. And Alan Wynne Jones was one of the people. I think he should know better as well. Anyway, Eddie Jones said we have to be careful of that in rugby. I didn't like how Bigger went on. We have to be careful we don't allow it to creep into the game. I, I thought I couldn't love Eddie Jones anymore, but I did even more a little bit there. And Warren Gatland said there's nothing wrong with a player remonstrating at what is a what he thinks is a pretty important decision. Yeah there is and and there's nothing wrong with showing a bit of passion. Yeah. That's what he said about Dan Bigger, what I would describe as petulant.
0: There's there's nothing wrong with showing a bit of passion, but once the ref has, once the ref has made his decision, particularly after review of the TMO, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that can be done. Yeah. So Dan Bigger only makes it worse for himself and the team. Correct. It was completely the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and you know, fly halves have not had a particularly good
1: weekend. Uh, so
2: just before you get onto that very quickly have a guess uh, the rug uh, wales rugby online have got a poll on was dan bigger right, <laughs> right to uh, to argue with the referee or, or or was or was he out of order what do you think the percentage was
1: what do i think the percentage
0: was i think uh, wales online i think dan bigger probably comes out on top yeah probably 60% on, in dan bigger's favor thing is pretty, um, much, that, that. pretty yeah. much
2: exactly that pretty much exactly that's it sixty percent of the of the people read, reading that uh, Wales rugby poll and uh, t- participating in it said that Dan bigger sixty percent say Dan bigger was right to behave how he did after that decision well
1: um does anyone know actually what Dan Bigger was saying before we all jump on jump on him here i I, I think it's almost irrelevant. I don't think it is because, from what I understand, the referee was informing him that it was a friendly game and it doesn't matter. And he was annoyed because he tried really, really hard. And he only tries hard for full on internationals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, that's what I think happened. So Ed Gatlin confused him and told him this was a full cap international. Yes, exactly right. Because he didn't want Reese Priestland to play. He actually came on <laughs> and did very well, too far. <laughs> well, Tim.
2: Go on, JB. Tell uh, us about your 10 with this
1: 10 thing you've got. Okay, so. It's not been a good weekend for fly halves, uh, so I was just wondering if there's anything you know, out there in the market which you could buy as a director of rugby for your fly half. And as it as as it is, we've found something. So um, we've pulled this up from the internet. Do you, do you want to have a listen?
2: Oh please, yeah.
1: Introducing
2: the oh, fly half okay.
1: pacifier system from
0: JBL. Miss six kicks? Not a problem. Shouting at the ref in front of millions? Don't you worry, little man. Hammered by Bundyaki? We can fix that too. The
1: FPS is the ultimate way to coddle your star playmaker. No longer will tantrums be spelt with a kicking tee. The FPS wraps naughty little starlets safe in media-proof cotton to protect their delicate little feelings from the nasty press. The FPS also incorporates a crowd-sharing function that cocoons your star man with reassuring support, so he wakes up refreshed, confident, and ready for the day ahead. Killing off that feeling of a bad game is now as easy as killing it with your mate Nev. So, if you want no more bruised egos, damaged pride, or tearful changing rooms, you need the JPL Fly Half Pacify system. Exclusively available from JPL. The FPS system is not suitable for props, second rows, back rows, or real men in general. Some features vary positive outcomes are not guaranteed. System currently not available to Mike Ford.
0: <laughs>
1: there you go, Tim. D- does that... Does that solve your problems?
2: That, where do I sign? That that is outstanding. <laughs> every, every, I mean, that sells itself. <laughs> can I buy shares in it?
0: You must, oh, well. It's more of a pyramid scheme. I'm I'm guessing at, at this <laughs> at this point. So yeah, you can buy some and then sell them on to some of your fly halves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The fly half pacifier system. Go Very Go good. Very good, JB. Thank, thank you, Phil.
2: Outstanding
1: Outstanding Uh, Now there is a little bit more business that we need to attend to Because unless you want to carry on talking about uh, England-Wales for a little bit more uh, I think I'm done with this
0: game forever Uh, Just a couple of points I wanted to make Yeah, go for it Um, I think the back row decision going forward is going to be a very interesting one Because I thought of the three starting back rows for England Tamina Harrison, James Haskell and Jack Clifford Harrison was excellent Harrison was very good Harrison can play seven as well and I think, to me, Haskell was the worst of those three in that game. His uh, offensive carrying was uh, too upright, not aggressive enough. Yep. Whereas the other two were better body position, made more yards, better turn of pace, more aggressive and abrasive at the breakdown. Mm. I think that Haskell struggled to get into that team now. I agree with that. Now, I'm a huge
1: Haskell fan as a player, a captain, all the rest of his work. I love his work rate. Back. DJ Not so much that um, <laughs> I would say this though His tackling can be relatively weak And he was, he was still making his tackles But he wasn't winning the collision So a lot of Welsh players were getting beyond him And if they had a bit of nas about them And a bit of rugby skill They probably probably could have offloaded And that's not what you want from a, a workhorse
0: 6 or 7 No, not at all He should be absolutely smashing everyone Yeah, Tamar Harrison did very I, I- very well
2: I would actually just say one thing to balance things up, Phil, is you say that running upright is, uh, yeah, that, that is a negative and the others were better in their ball carrying. However, if you want to run into and bounce off of a post protector, <laughs> Haskell's upright body position What is a perfect. guy.
0: Yeah, if I'm looking for that specific skill, then Haskell's the man I want.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly.
0: Hmm. I'll consider that uh, before I make my selections known for the uh, Australia Tour.
2: I'm oh, good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm. I just. I'm so impressed with Eddie Jones, and 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 the the tweet that's been retweeted, however many hundred times, on our Twitter account at Rugby Podcast was some comments of Eddie Jones, um, basically having a pop at the English rugby press when all the all all the journalists were asking him about the kicking of George Ford, and he's effectively gone. Hold on. Oh, we just scored five tries against Wales. How often does that happen? What, why is English, this 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 is typical negativity uh, uh, around English rugby? And um, I, I love him for for saying that.
0: Yeah, oh, I don't I, think he means it though. Well, there's two sides. One, um, the 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 biggest positive and the biggest focal point should be on the five tries to one performance. Mm-hmm. In saying that, he is not he is not saying that getting 14% accuracy, one out of seven kicks, is acceptable, but he's just kind of highlighting the priorities. I think he will be having words with Ford. Oh, 100%. Because it, it, that kind of performance is simply unacceptable, particularly when you're only taking two fly halves on your tour. Um, yeah. And I, I think some of the people are saying that it would make him question that decision and I would agree Uh, often you will take three fly halves on a tour because it is such a specialist position Um, so it's an interesting one it doesn't justify Ford's performance and Ford's performance off the tee specifically but it puts it into perspective because the focus should be on the positive and all of the positives including debuts from the likes of Tamana Harrison from the likes of... Sorry Phil,
1: I'm going to have to... um come back here why should
0: all the positives be why should all the focus be on the positives cuz no, i no, not not all the focus but the, the the main focus should not be on one lad kicking a, missing a few kicks i don't know i i, I mean, seriously yeah i mean from a media point of view i know it feels
1: negative Right, and it's all very well to say, "Oh, the media, the media narrative." I guarantee you, when they look back at that video, well, they're going to say: the biggest problem with this game is we missed fourteen points, because those fourteen points are very hard to come at. Fourteen points uh, in a game is a huge margin, and yeah, they can afford to lose it this time around, But all these coaches talk talk about performance, a performance rather than an outcome, and I don't think I don't they'll disagree. be they'll be at all happy with that performance.
2: I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with with what you've said, but. We've just, we haven't just beaten Wales. We have England have absolutely pumped Wales, yeah. and um, I guess what and, was... um, the pri- uh, uh, no, no one's saying we should, you know, George Ford's uh, performance shouldn't be questioned, or. But the context is England have just pumped Wales and, and and actually are going into Australia, full of confidence because they were missing eleven guys. Another point mm. Eddie Jones made: missing eleven guys who who were involved in the. English domestic club finals so the the guys they were missing were highly influential highly talented so the primary focus should be well what an, what another great step following on from a, a grand slam without 11 players they've gone and Hammered Wales.
1: Yeah, I think that's how the fans should see it. Definitely, that that is definitely the fans' point of view. I think for the coaches, though, it's a bit hypocritical to say don't be focusing on that when that's exactly what they will be focusing
0: on. Oh no, they will focus on it, but that is not that is not their principal focus. That is not the one. So that is their principal concern. So in in training, do you reckon that they'll get those thirty-two lads in and say, right, everyone else you can go and have the week off. Ford, you're doing extras this week. No, but I bet you when when they sit down, that is their, that'll be their primary concern. It'd be mine. It, it is a concern. That my, that my
1: fly-off's missed 14 points. But there again, he's not really my fly-off. Farrell
0: is. Yes. So maybe not. Yeah, it's not yeah. The, It's not the primary concern. It is a concern. I, I, you know, if he's playing like that, why not bring in Cipriani? Bigger, faster, probably. Um,
2: Bigger, I, faster, um, worst kicking percentage in the Premiership.
0: Yeah, he, can't, but he, he he's over 17%, I think. <laughs> Even at his worst time, he was over 17%. Uh, in, interestingly... That's uh, true. Interestingly, I saw a tweet from Cipriani... Uh, not a tweet, a tweet, an Instagram from Cipriani this week. Was he, was he killing it with Nev? Uh, he was doing some speed work on the track. OK. And he said... <laughs> he, his quote, it was, it was him running... Uh, he said it was a 50-yard dash mm. uh, in 4.57 seconds. That's fast. Which, uh, if you... Extrapolate? If you extrapolate it down to the 40-yard dash would make him the fastest ever 40-yard dash by about half a second. <laughs> so I think he's, wow. I think he's got uh, a little bit confused. We're talking about 40-yard dash from the NFL Combine, which is the fastest of the fastest. Wow, so he's half a second faster than Deion Sanders? Yeah, half a second faster than the fastest ever NFL player. Fair play, that's fast. He, so he is killing it. He is killing it. What? <laughs> I mean, allegedly, he is supremely fast. Yes. I mean, I've heard, like, when he's at Wasps, he was the fastest there. Yeah, when he was there with uh, Paul Saki. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> that is, I mean, fair play. You can knock him as much as you want, but that is fast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. That is seriously fast. One, um, go.
2: Okay, well, if we're moving away from England and Wales, there's one thing that I think is a positive, well, possibly a negative and a positive, but recently you might have been bored by me... Um, talking about refereeing decisions and what what constitutes a red card. And where are we going? To...
1: uh Oh, where's this going?
2: Well, I just wanted to actually say, did you see Glenn Jackson, the referee, the way he dealt with Eben Etzebeth and Lou Diego?
1: I've heard about it. I've not seen it yet. I've I've seen it. And also, I'm uh, I've got it all recorded. I'm going to go watch go upstairs and watch the Jaguars as soon as this is finished. So,
2: oh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Um, Glenn Jackson said, so I- Iben Ezebeth and Lou Diego, it wasn't. It never really came to blows, it was just handbags, but Glenn Jackson, before we've seen it, it was brilliant, he just said, and bearing in mind, this is what I'm talking about, about refs having empathy with the game, mm. he's played at high level, and he said, oh, I t- I'll tell you what, he said to his TMO, let's just check it, but it looked to me like just a bit of South African fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, uh, did he get the call right? Yeah. Excellent. Oh, 100%. There, there wasn't, it was It was very aggressive uh, shirt grabbing, um, but there wasn't a single punch thrown. There was arguably a bit of, uh, when Etzabeth got on top of him on the floor, a bit of uh, elbow to the face. Oh, it was like forearm. But hold, Did Etzabeth win? Holding him down. Etzabeth got on top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think it was the it's right a good call.
2: A bit of a good bit of brazilian jiu-jitsu the throw to the ground you'd have liked it jay
0: nice nice. yeah i I think it was that was was the right call there wasn't no no punches thrown there was grappling for quite a long time it's about 30 seconds they were going at each other uh but not worthy of a yellow card shake hands move on
2: yeah let the um, boys play exactly that let me let's be brief on this because we've talked about this sort of thing in the past but I was so dismayed when I watched Los Jaguares and their two red cards. No, don't
1: don't tell me. Don't tell me the result. I don't know the result. I know there's two red cards and I can't wait to see it.
2: Well, well, there's. there's Actually, tell me the result. It's a rugby
1: podcast. (laughs)
2: Um, Well, Los Jaguares, despite going down at one point to 12 men, um, (laughs) (laughs) did really well and almost could have still won. Um, But. Los Aguares is lost but two red cards for what I would describe as rucking
0: yes wow now I would go for that what they're saying was uh, it was shoulder to head contact shoulder to head Okay. Uh, now I think so
2: man in in jackal position over ball yeah player coming in and rucking by hitting shoulder at the first part of the player that he sees which is shoulder shoulder head area
0: yeah Uh, for me I think the sec- Well, I think they were both probably penalties. Uh, the second one particularly because Herrera uh, went completely off his feet stupidly. But, I agree with that. But I, I can't see a red card. I just can't see it. I, I know me and you have been at odds uh, on some of these calls recently, Tim, but this one I am completely with you. I think it's ludicrous. Do you know what this is? I'm, I've not seen it, but this is just my uh, uninformed
1: speculative rant. This is what I expect, expect it to be, right? This is bad coaching. Right, because there are ways. Everyone knows that the jackal position is incredibly hard to remove. To remove an individual. Yeah. So if you look at all the good teams now, they don't let you jackal because they're so close to each other when they go into contact. It's almost they bind on before you've got before you've got to deck. They're just not doing the basic things which all the other good teams are, are, are doing well. I, I would agree with that. Uh, they're, they're not the.
2: I'd say that's almost irrelevant to, to is, whether this is a red card or not. Though. Is
0: it that obviously not a red card? It. It is that that is a weakness uh, in their play, and they're not the the most cohesive and coordinated team. So that is a weakness, but that should not that does not justify it being a red card. I'll, I'll
2: put I'll put it this way, JB. What your your favourite second row at the minute, Lavanini? Is it?
0: Yeah.
1: What what a specimen. Yeah.
2: yeah what a specimen. And he uh, there's one way to get rid of a guy who's trying to jackal for the ball, and that's to absolutely smash him at a ruck. Yeah. Agree. Which is what Lavanini does and gets a red card for it. Um, Jack Berger tweeted, get this, you will be so proud when you see this. Jack Berger tweeted during the Los Aguares game and said, I can't believe that was a red card. And do you know what he said next? Go on. Let the boys play.
1: Let the boys play, exactly right. <laughs> I need to watch Jack this. Jack
2: Berger said, let the boys play.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow, what's uh, Jack up to now? Do we do we know where where he's going to go?
2: Going to his farm in Namibia.
1: He's tweeted some pictures of it, hasn't he? And is is that like is that for good now? You never is he going to be? I'm asking, right? Is is he going to be like Jay from Five? Is he going to
0: retire and we'll never see him again? (laughs) Or is he going to be like is he going to be like Lee Ryan from Blue? (laughs) And (laughs) we have getting too much of him all the time. Yes, exactly. Is he Lee Ryan or is he Jay?
2: I think he's more J from five is the impression I get. He was he was oh. saying how his uh, his parents are getting older and he he's looking forward to getting back to Namibia and um he's got the farm ready. And I, I was so I feel really, really privileged to have spent uh, spent a little bit of time with him. Because I mean, you know what he's like. Yeah. What a lovely, lovely bloke. The guy is just a proper gent. Brutal on I described him on the on the BT Sports stage. I said before he came on, I, I said, um, and I, introduced him, "I said this guy, this man is rugby union, brutal on the field, perfect gentleman off it. And I just I just think that is what makes Jacques Berger someone that everybody loves.
0: I'm going to I'm going to reminisce about the first time that we met Jack uh, at BT Sport uh, two and a half years ago. And we got told that Jack Berger was there. And we were in the presence of World Cup winner Lawrence Delalio <laughs> and we we completely completely ignored Delalio. I think he was actually a bit upset yeah. because we were just like, "Jabberg Burger's here, here now, yeah. in his here." <laughs> <laughs> we were just like grouped round him, like kind of uh, starstruck schoolgirls almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, well,
1: as this is probably towards the end of the podcast now, I've got a small appeal to make if you boys don't mind. Go on.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, unfortunately, this week, um, my long relationship with only my second ever club has come to a terminal end. Uh, it's it's finished. I'm no longer uh, with Broughton Park in any capacity whatsoever. So in the same. way lo- that, Jake? Do
2: you want to go
1: into the ins and outs of why? <laughs> I, I don't mind. Do you, do, you, do you want me to? Do you want me to go into the ins and outs? I, 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 or, I, I, I can do that. I mean what have we got you, we've got half
0: an hour you have got half an hour uh not,
2: uh, not oh, s- maybe give us the short answer then or well, maybe I've maybe got, i've got a dinner appointment to get to i'm going for tapas in a minute uh, oh, nice. No,
0: very nice well may- maybe tease it and uh, people can have a little guess on a tweet at Rugby Podcast. And yeah, well, I suggest suppose. what they think is the the real the reason why you're not playing there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I suppose
1: um, you know the condensed sort of um, edited version is a committee, a, a bunch of backstabbing cowardly Judases. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to elaborate. and I don't want to throw anyone else underneath the bus. So, uh, as such, I will no no longer be there. And in the same way that we did Phil's. Um, uh, what was it, uh, Fan Free Agency, not so long ago, Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be needing a new club. But not just a new club to support, I'm going to need a new club to actually play at. So if you want to uh, employ JB in any capacity, from Water Carrier to, and by the way, I just uh, spoke, spoke about myself in the third person, so I'm not sure I'm going to get that much interest. <laughs> uh, from Water Carrier to um, Director of Rugby to Groundsman, uh, <laughs> send us some emails, we'll read them out, and we'll see if we can to- get something going through our off-season.
2: JB, to tight
1: head prop slash winger. Uh,
0: Winger, uh, I can can play wing, back row or centre. You can have me in any any of those positions. And you're equally qualified, be it wing, back row, centre, water boy or director of rugby. Or groundsman. Or groundsman. Or groundsman. Or tea boy. Or I make a mean cup of tea. A superb cup of tea. So
1: if you've got a job for me, please let me know. Send us a tweet, send us an email. We'll read out your emails uh, and we'll see if I can get myself some kind of job for next season.
2: No, If you were making the post-match meal, I, 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 you, your cooking is really, really quite good. So even Thank if you, you were Tim. making the the meal in the kitchens, I'd, I'd be game on. you, well, you have got your what? A, a social cap, a social secretary for a club. Oh my god, the kangaroo courts would be incredible. Uh, so my my court sessions got, are
1: renowned, to be fair.
2: <laughs> you are the. You are the rugby club version of who's a total utility player on the field
0: chris wiles Ooh. yeah is anyone in the you, forwards? Are, you are
2: chris wiles but in terms of a whole rugby club
0: uh yeah what
1: uh, the, um radiki samo radiki samo that's the one that i want i'm yeah a really bad radiki samo <laughs> she makes a mean <laughs> cup of tea yeah
2: jb so. needs a Q- no let's find JB. but this is like uh you know you've got the Battersea dogs home. We've yeah. yeah. Egg, ch- Maybe you'll do a char- a
1: charity home. appeal advert for me.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get one of those sorted JB for next week.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Superb.
2: Right, Let's I think we do- JB a new home.
1: I think I think that we're done here, boys. Uh, I'm
2: done. I have got a dinner reservation. I'm on, I'm going out now, so I'll see you later.
1: Right. Well, you can log off then. We, we'll, we'll see you later, Tim.
2: What's cheers in Spanish? I've only just arrived. So what's cheers in Spanish? Uh no idea.
1: Greek, isn't it? And- go with go with uh, yeah. yep. They're all Europeans over there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right, nice one boys. See you,
1: see you next time. Cheers, Tim. Cheers Tim. In a bit. Bye. Cool. cool. Oh, that's the end of Tim. Uh, right. Uh, so before I go I should say that you can follow us on Facebook you can follow us most importantly on Twitter at Rugby Podcast or me at JBeardmore. Beardmore uh, and I think that's it so I'll see
0: you next week Tim uh, sorry Phil <laughs> I'm glad you know who I am um, and there's no games next week unless you count Top 14 and Super Rugby which we don't generally do a preview of. We might do something, uh, but we'll do something next week definitely for the England for the international previews. And what an international lineup it is. There are, I'm counting them now, 7 fixtures next weekend, 7 international fixtures. Mm. So very Acast powers the world's
2: best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere.
0: ACAST.com Interesting.
2: So next week will be a good pod. accent All right, mate. I, I, I'll see you next week.